This is our modern halacha series and we're talking about the idea of selling chametz. Now this is something that a lot of people have a difficult week, difficulty with, me, myself included, that what is this shtick, this trick that we do? You have your bar full of blue label or whatever you have over there and then you just cover it and voila, you're okay with not going against the Torah prohibition of owning chametz. Now, let's back up here. In the Torah it says that the worst possible sin that one can do is what? Is to have chametz on Pesach. What is chametz? Baruch Hashem. We got the four grains. The five grains is wheat, barley, oats, rice, spelt. Any of these that become leaven, right? Like bread or crackers. It is a isur karet, which a Jew that eats these on purpose, his soul is going to get cut off from its source. So, not only are we not allowed to eat chametz, which is these five grains that are leavened, leavened is if 18 minutes they become exposed to water and they start to rise, they become chametz. We're not allowed to benefit from it, which means we're not allowed to even feed it to our dog and cat. And we're not allowed to even own it, right? So how do we go against the problem of owning it? Because in the Torah, like I said before, around a dozen times, half a dozen times, it says what? Thou shalt not be seen any chametz in your possession, which means the Torah keeps on saying it again and again, that is forbidden to own any chametz, right? Like this black label that you're having right now, gentlemen, is what? It's chametz. You know why? Because it's made from grain. It's made from oats. And I so, I'll just so want to say that I had a guest a month ago. They were at my Shabbat table. They were very nice. They brought me cognac. The problem is also that cognac can only be kosher. Anything derived from grapes also, parenthetically, is important to know. Any type of cognac that comes from from France that is not supervised, the same way kosher wine is supervised, is not kosher. So it's also Isur Hana'a. So the question here is, why exactly... Has it become the custom, especially in Ashkenazi communities, but now in Israel, that everybody comes to the rabbi, they fill out a form, right? They write all the different chametz that they have and they sell it. What is this phenomenon? Because it seems very shady. You really, the Torah is saying the chametz shouldn't be seen, it shouldn't be accessible. So I wanted to go into the historical and the Talmudic idea behind this. This idea is definitely legitimate, in the Talmud, page 13a, Pesachim, there was a gentleman by the name of Yohanan ben Chanukah, like the holiday Chanukah. He had a big problem. He went to Rebbe, the author of all the Talmud, and he said, somebody has deposited it, their chametz with me, right? Like I'm the watchman for it. I'm The guy went to China or God knows where, and... I'm liable for it. What should I do? So the Rebbe told him you could sell it to a non-Jew, get it out of your possession, and you won't be going, 
against the sin of owning chametz on Pesach. Now, this is very important to understand. Why is it forbidden to own chametz or have chametz in your possession? The Rabbeinu Asher, the Rosh explains, because every second, like this gentleman is making a lachaim right here in front of me, every second we're addicted to chametz, right? So the Torah says that if God forbid it's in front of you, right? You're going to want to have it because nothing can be more enjoyable than a blue label. You'll set it, you're selling for black. But so, and what happens is if it's in front of you, you're going to what? End up eating the bagel or the pizza or the thing. So therefore the Torah wants that not only you shouldn't own it, it shouldn't even be inaccessible. Now, the Tosefta also talks about this idea that there was once two, a Jew on a boat. And you know what happened? He had a big problem. It was the evening of Passover, and he had a ton of chametz with him. So what is he supposed to do? So again, we see the Tosefta, chapter 2, page... Uh, Six, it says that the Jew, what he did was he had, was advised by his rabbi to do what? To sell the chametz to his neighbor that was sitting next to him on the boat. And the neighbor understood that after they get off the boat, after Passover, he's going to give back the chametz. So this that we sell chametz is not some new invention. It, it was It has Talmudic sources. Now, here's the thing. One of the greatest Sephardic rabbis that wrote the Orlet Zion, Rabbi Ben Zion Abba Shaul, he says that historically Sephardics, Persian Jews, the Jews from the Middle East, never used to sell their chametz. Hmm. You know why? Because very simply, we did not live in, live in a economy where everything was bottled and everything was preservatives and in cans. Mm. The common Jew in Iran, let me read it for you verbatim, because it's fascinating. It says that, it wasn't the custom, right? The evening, the eve before Passover, you know what people were doing? They were baking fresh chamel, fresh matzah. They were not going around and filling out the form and giving it to the rabbi. Now why is this? You have to know, one of the greatest rabbis that lived in the last hundred years, he was like Rabbi Vadia Yosef. He had a photographic memory. His name is Rabbi Chizkiah Madani. He lived in Hebron. If you ever go to Hebron and visit the forefathers, you can go to his grave. He was a great, great genius. He writes in his encyclopedic work, Stechemed, that, Why would you need to sell chametz? Logically, a month before chametz, right, before Passover, you start getting rid of any pita you have, any bread, any, right? And they did not have whiskey there, okay, Josh? They did not have anything. They didn't have red label even, right? A hundred years ago. So he says very simply that the only people, maybe one out of a hundred people that would sell their chametz, you know was who? The guy that owned the grocery store, right? Because he, he was somebody that could not get rid of and offload his chametz. And it would be a great loss for him if he would have to sell all his arak or whatever that was chametz in his store. So basically, the only person in the community, in the Sephardic communities, that would go have, go and have to sell his chametz was who? 
was the people that own businesses, the grocery stores. Now, why do the Ashkenazis, they have a custom that already from six, seven hundred years ago, that before Passover, a week before, two weeks before, everybody goes to the rabbi like we do now, and they sell the rabbi. Now, this is very important. Chacham Ben Sion also says, you never sell the chametz to the rabbi. The rabbi doesn't want to be the sinner for everybody. The rabbi is your real estate broker, is your is your broker, which, mean, which means what happens is you fill out the form, right? The rabbi is your agent. Make sure that you fill out the form legitimately and he goes and sells it to the non-Jew on your behalf. So he's the middleman. He's like the broker. Now, why did the Ashkenazim have to do this? It's very fascinating. The OU has a beautiful article about this. What happened was in Europe, the Jews were not allowed to own real estate. You know that I love history and it's very important to know. As bad as the Muslims were, the Muslims did not abuse and rape and kill the Jews even a fraction of a fraction as much as the Christians did. Because, I mean, it's very simply, there was no Holocaust in any of the Middle East. The Europeans were so anti-Semitic that they forbade the Jews from owning what? Any real estate. So they could not grow, have agriculture. So the Jews had to do one of two jobs. You know what they had to do? They either had to be money lenders. So that's why all the bankers are Jewish. They would have to trust interest, charge interest. And that also, by the way, they wanted every, everybody hates the loan shark, right? So they wanted the Jews to become the loan shark in order to, so people should hate them more. Well, the Jews didn't have much of a choice. You know that. Because you have, they would have, have on average probably at least eight or ten kids, right? There was no birth control. And the other thing that the Jews did, believe it or not, was what? They would grow beer. They would, they had distilleries. You know, Rashi and his grandson, the greatest of the Baalei Tosafot, Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam that has the special tefillin and the people that want to be strict on Shabbat keep an extra half an hour, right? Rabbeinu Tam was also, you know what he used to do? He used to make wine. But I guess not everybody could make wine. A lot of people were in the beer business, right? Anybody that's been to Germany knows that it was a good product. Everybody, they drink beer like we drink water. So what happened was that already hundreds of hundreds of years ago, it was not like the Sephardic communities, which means what? It means that since these people, if they wanted to get rid of all the chametz, they would lose their entire inventory of their business, right? And they would go bankrupt because it would take them to make beer after Passover, right? It would take them a few months. So what happened was that in the Ashkenazi communities, it was much, much more common to go and do what? Sell your chametz to the non-Jew. Now here, this is where it gets tricky. Originally, when people used to sell their chametz, you know what it, what it was? It was a legitimate sale, which means this this black label right here, right? If this gentleman is the non-Jew, what would you do? He would pay you for it, right? He would give you a deposit for it, and he would actually go and take it to his home, like a normal sale should be. No, if I'm selling you something, you're not going to leave it with me, right? You're going to take it home and use it. And that's originally what used to happen. Now, the people that had businesses, maybe it was different, 
But the average people that used to sell their chametz, it was a legitimate sale. Like any other sale. Like the Gemara says, and the Tosefta says. Now, what ended up happening is, if you look, the Mishnah Brura says this, that not only, halachically right now, if you have a maid, <coughs> this is the best thing to do. If you have chametz in your house, you can give, there's so many homeless people, we have half a million homeless people in Los Angeles, the, the kind and wise thing to do is go give all your chametz to them, or you could sell it to them or whatever, but it should not be seen, because we want to take the Torah at face value, the Torah says that no chametz should be owned or seen, right? Because if it's in your possession, you're going to end up what? Eating it. Now, that's the original way it used to happen. Now they went down a level. What happened was the people that used to own the distilleries, right? And own the, the businesses of making beer, obviously it was not feasible for them to take their entire inventory and give it to what? Give it to the non-Jew. So you know how it used to work? The non-Jew used to give them money, like give them a $100, $1,000 deposit, and they would actually give the key of their business, they would be closed the entire Passover, right? And they would... If you look at the Bach, if you look at the founder of Chabad, the Balatanya, if you look at many poskim, the Benishchai actually holds this way. The Benishchai says, if you do not give the key of your business to the non-Jew, it's a, it's a joke, right? It's not, you're selling it kind of like, I, I'm selling you this Rolex watch and I'm going to get it back. I lend it to you and I want to get it back from you after the wedding because you want to impress the nice girls, right? So the Benishchai, the Balatanya, which is the Shulchan Archarav, Rav Shner Zalman, and the Bach, they say that if you want to have a legitimate sale, right? And then the non-Jew would be more than happy because he would have, it's his chametz, he would have all the beer he wants. Now hopefully he wouldn't invite the whole town to your uh, grocery shop or your distillery. But then again, this is why it looks shady. Through the generations, people became more and more lenient, and that's why to us it doesn't seem like a real sale. What happened after this was, in the current state of affairs, what happens is you just fill out a paper, right? You do not give the key of your house to anybody, and what happens is, is that there are, there are great rabbis, parenthetically, there was a great rabbi named the Prichadash. The Prichadash, He's one of the sharpest rabbis. He was actually kind of short. He was like a midget. Hmm. So you know what he used to do? When he would try to get a book from the big library, the bookcase was 10 feet long. You know what he would do? He would put books, Torah hmm. books, and then he would use that as a ladder, as a stepping stool. He would step on the Torah books to go get a book from the top ladder. So the people yelled at him. They said, Rabbi, what are you doing? How could you step on the Torah? So the Prichadash was very sh- sharp. He said, I'm a living Torah. This is also Torah. I need to go get the book. So the Prichadash says that even if you don't give the non-Jew the key to your house, it's a valid sale. And one of the greatest rabbis of Europe, of Hungary, the Nodabi Yehuda, Rabbi Yechezkel Landau also says that. Now, obviously when you're selling the chametz, you want to sell it everywhere in your possession. Now, because of this idea that Basically, the sale doesn't look like a real sale. There are great rabbis that say they had a tradition not to sell their chametz. The only type of chametz they would sell was like ketchup. 
this is a very important thing to know. There's two types of chametz that exist. There's one classical chametz which everybody in the world, if you eat it, you get that sin of karet, right? That's why we we treat chametz on Passover like nuclear waste, right? We do hagalah, we sell it. But there's another type of chametz which is like mustard. It's not pure chametz, it's tomato sauce mixed with vinegar that may be from grain. You understand? So it was the position of the of the great rabbi of modern orthodoxy, Rabbi Yashav Ber from YU. He advised his students and his congregants for that matter that you should not sell real chametz. And probably the reason is because nowadays it doesn't look like a real sale, right? The non-Jew doesn't have the key to your house. The non-Jew doesn't take your chametz and put it in his own house. It's just, it's on, everything is on paper, right? This is yours, but, I mean, so it's for that very reason that the Grozal, the greatest of all Ashkenazi rabbis in the last 500 years, also had a custom, he would not sell bread. And the yeshivisha people, people that are very religious, they try to concur with this. Um, Rav Moshe had told his great, Rav Moshe Feinstein, which was the greatest halachic decider in America, did not recommend to his grandchildren to sell real chametz unless it was a real sale. So again, everybody is going to agree that if you sell the chametz, the Johnny Walker, and the guy gives you $100 or $200 for the blue label, that this is legitimate. The problem is, is that he doesn't give you any money, right? And the chametz is in your closet, and he doesn't even have access to it. So there are people that have a custom because for these reasons that they don't sell real chametz. The only type of chametz that they do sell is what? The stuff that is a, some may have some mixture of chametz in it. Now, this being said, why does everybody nowadays sell their chametz? The answer is very simply that people nowadays they have very expensive liquor. I personally also give away all the bread that I have. The only problem that really exists is the hard liquor that is made like out of this stuff that it's a hard pill to swallow to give it away to anybody. But the bottom line is, is that the custom of the entire Jewish world, most of the Jewish world is that even though we don't give the non-Jew the key, even though the non-Jew doesn't pay for us and take it out of our possession. Which obviously, if you're able to do this with your like uh, custodian or workers, right? For them to physically take it out and pay you for it and give them the key, that's even better. But we are somech on the pre-chadash and the nodebi Yehuda. But something to keep in mind, which I've seen in houses that people do not do. It's very important if you do sell your chametz to put it in a special closet and lock it. Not to keep it around, right? Regular food. The Shulchan Aruch says this specifically, that even if the chametz is not yours, you've sold it to the non-Jew, the, it should not be seen by you, right? It should not be accessible. So you should lock it up or there should be a partition in front of it to remind you that you're not supposed to partake of it. Whoever sells their chametz and does not do this, right? I, for example, had a problem. I was at somebody's house. You should also do this with all the pots and pans that are not kosher for Passover. You should put them in the same closet 
where all the chametz is in your garage, if you have a closet that you could lock it up, right? Because the idea is we don't want to access it and come to use it. So whoever sells their chametz and doesn't put it in a place that is clearly sealed off or locked or at least has a mechitza partition over it is making a mistake. Secondly, Chacham ben Sion Abashaul says over here that there's no mitzvah to go sell chametz, right? Actually, I have to thank my brother-in-law. Every year I'm in Baltimore for Passover. One of the most beautiful things I've ever done in my life is that I went to the Hasidic rabbi, Rabbi Taub, and we baked fresh matzah on Passover Eve. And we would use that chametz, that, that matzah on our table the night of Passover. So therefore, I want to get to the second part of this year, which there's a Jewish gentleman two blocks away that has a licorice store that gets even more problematic. The second part of the class is we want to deal with these people that own grocery stores. They're not religious. And there's a big problem. If you knew 99 cent store and Smart and Funnel is owned by Jewish people, you know that. The rabbis gave a big, big penalty and ticket, Elliot, to the people that don't get rid of their chametz. You know what it, what it, what it is? It's called chametz she'avar alava pesach. So let's say me, God forbid, I have all this Johnny Walker blue label, I own the big, biggest liquor store in Santa Monica or Beverly Hills or Brentwood, right? I didn't get rid of any of, I didn't sell any of the chametz, I was doing business on Passover. The Chachamim said, any chametz, the rabbis instituted law, any chametz that was not sold, is forbidden for benefit. You know what that means? That means no Jew can go and buy chametz. That's why if you never realize, like there was a long time where 99 cent store, you would have to wait a month after Passover to go buy cookies from there. Because it was owned by a Jew, and the Jew didn't sell his chametz, right? And therefore, it became what? Chametz she'avar alava pesach. So, the question here is, is that there's many Jews, I know for a fact, that there's a rabbi and many religious Jews that own dozens upon dozens of gas stations, right? Or people own grocery stores. These people probably have hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory of chametz. Now both, problem number one is their business is open on Passover, Right? So they are selling chametz, or the people that own or that own nursing homes. There are people that own. And thank God, God bless his soul. He he gives probably tens of millions of dollars to yeshivas and charity. He owns rechnitz. He owns like probably fifty-five, or maybe even more by now, nursing homes. Right? He has to feed his clients food. The idea is, how could that possibly work? Right? Now here, we get to something that's very, very interesting. And that is, let's say this gentleman that owns the licorice store, right? I go to him as a rabbi and say, hey, if you don't sell your chametz, nobody from the synagogue. And you also have to understand that people in the olden days, it used to be a small shtetl, right? It used to be a mahaleh. Everybody used to know each other. So, 
Let's say the guy's not religious, he doesn't really believe in it, but out of the goodness of his heart, he comes and signs the document that what? That yeah, I sold this, all this chametz, right? The question is, how did he sell the chametz? He's still selling all his liquor, liquor in the liquor store, right? Right? And, he didn't close his store. He's selling the chametz. So this case actually, believe it or not, comes up more often than not. It came up for me personally. There was a gentleman I was trying to get. What happens is, as Rab Moshe Feinstein holds, the best thing to do if you do have a gas station or liquor store and you have to sell chametz, right? Because how could you, if you own a chain, you're a religious Jew, right? You own 50 gas stations. There's, there's markets inside of it, right? You're going to go ahead and take out every single cookie it's unfeasible. So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says, and Rabbi Best told me that this is what needs to be done, is that you need to tell the manager of the, each store that they're partners with you now, right? And write a whole document. And you actually have to give him a percentage of the actual sale that's made over Passover. So let's say over Passover you make a million dollars gross profit. You have to give them at least like I don't know, not maybe not a hundred thousand, but 20, ten, twenty, thirty thousand, right? So we would calculate that the money being made over Passover was actually belonging to who? Manager. To the manager, to the non-Jewish. So this would be legitimate because he's actually we're calculating in a, in solid accounting terms how much money this business made, right? And the manager of the business is more than happy because he's going to get. Ten times more than he usually makes for you being his manager, right? But the question is, let's say the people that don't do what Rabbi Moshe Feinstein said, right? The guy's a Jew. He signed the document. He's selling all this chametz. He's doing business. Such a person, can we, after Passover, can we go buy the liquor from him or from his grocery store or not? So this is what I wanted to talk about. And with this, we're going to finish. This is a big dispute in the poskim. The poskim say, some people say, listen, there has to be a limit to how much we make this thing that nobody <coughs> thinks of it as a real sale. And now this guy's actually doing business with the chametz. So there are people that say that if you don't do what I just told you, that the manager of each store actually gets a real cut. You calculate how much net income you made and you at least give him 5%, 10%. Even if he signed and he said, said he's not, he's selling his chametz, we see he's lying, right? Cause he, what kind of, if you're doing business with it, some people are of that opinion. There are other opinions that are lenient, that say still, like the Khatam Sofer says, the bottom line is, by signing the paper and giving over your chametz for the rabbi to be your broker and sell the chametz, you're saying that you're showing that deep down you really don't want this chametz. Now, there are opinions that say, okay, obviously, a normal Jewish person that sold this chametz, what would he do? What do all the kosher markets do? They take cardboard paper and tape it all around the chametz, right? And they don't sell it, right? That's a legitimate... But this guy... He's actually doing business with it. So believe it or not, there, there are opinions that say even so, we could still support his business. You know why? He's a thief. He should have done what? 
either gotten a partner or not sold the chametz. Now that he sold the chametz, he was stealing from his non-Jewish person that he sent sold the chametz store. But that would not cause us a problem, us Jewish people in the community, not to the chametz wouldn't become chametz shavar alava pesa. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for coming. The bottom line is that you could be rest assured that one of the chief Hasidic rabbis of Baltimore, I have the pleasure of actually being in the room with him the last four years, when he does sell the chametz to a non-Jew. And it's very fascinating. The non-Jew comes, he gives a deposit, he gives like a hundred dollars now. And also they do many different halachic business transactions, like there's a Kenyan Sudar, he, he shakes hands, they do a lot of different Kinyanim. Kinyanim is, you know what? Kinyanim is a, just like the groom under the chupa lifts the pen to show that he has to do the ketubah, he's liable. Right. So they do many, many different types of transactions that solidifies that actually the non-Jew does on the chametz. Now if anybody is able to actually be so kind-hearted to give away his chametz to the homeless, and actually not have any chametz in his possession, that is the real way it was done in the Sephardic communities for thousands of years. If you don't want to give away your blue label, and you want to sell it, then what you need to do is, before Passover, and something else very important, if you're going to Cancun, or you're going to Israel for Passover, you have to sell your chametz way before. Because the rabbi would sell, need to sell your chametz according to the time zone where you celebrate Passover. A lot of people don't know that. So if you're planning to go to Israel, you cannot sell your chametz the eve of Passover. Have your wife or your cousin go sell your chametz because already wherever you are, the chametz, it's already what? Passover. And may Hashem help us that the true chametz is ego. The true chametz is anger. That's what we have to get rid of. And may Hashem bless everybody with the chakash of Thank you very much.